guys. Hi. I know we talk a lot about shit going wrong in the woods. I know. You are just slowly, every week, ruining camping. If I ever decided to go camping, because I fucking... No, just summer activities in general. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. you do um, ruin all... parks, camping, the Olympics. No, that was you. Oh, I did ruin the Olympics. Yeah, that was, that was your idea. That was me. But, but it worked out great. Point. I'm waiting for you guys to ruin, like, fishing or boating for me. I could talk uh, Natalie Wood. Oh, fuck. No. <laughs> you already ruined grilling. What's next? Yep, can't have barbecue anymore. No, can't have barbecue anymore. You just Well, today we're going to talk about some more murdered campers. Oh, God. Yay. Who's excited? It's not going to be as unsettling as the Oklahoma Girl Scout murders, but it's not pretty. No. It's not a fun time. I don't no. believe you. I feel like this is gonna just go. Wait, is it? It's just... not as bad as the Girl Scout. Oh, that makes me. The Girl Scout murders were they horrific. Were, that was rough. Yes, that was real rough. So was the San Ysidro. Yeah, this. Yeah, I remember. only because I saw the footage mm-hmm. of yeah. it. And we had some listeners uh, comment and said that they watched that and it was Ugh. it made their stomachs turn. If you and, guys don't know what we're talking about, you've missed out on some episodes and you need to go back. Yeah, go and back and check them out. It'll be a good time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, before we get into the episode today, let's uh, do some housekeeping stuff. Housekeeping. Housekeeping. Uh, so go download the this show, subscribe, follow us on Instagram. Give it us helps a, us out. Yeah. If make sure you're still downloading the episodes to mm-hmm. our original listeners, because it'll stream it, but it won't always download it. So with that, make sure you're downloading the show. That way we can see who's listening, what our good episodes are, and we'll keep doing that type of content. And so, then it kicks it out after a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. After about to- a month and a half, it'll say, are you still interested in this show? Click yes. So, Sam, what are we getting into today? We are going to dive into the Keddy Camp murders. Oh, hell yeah. At first when I heard you say that, I thought kitty camp. And I was like, oh, no. No, not <laughs> oh, more no. dead children. No. Well, well, they're kind of, yeah, it's dead children. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, everybody. My brain immediately went to kitty, like, kitties, like, little kids. Or, like, kitties, like, kitty, meow, like, meow. actually, yeah, meows. Meow, meow, people. Meow, meows. Yeah. Like, cats dying. No, the the Netflix documentary "Don't Fuck with Cats," man. I haven't watched that yet, and I'm so you should you should watch it. It's uh pretty fucking wild. I know I've heard such good things about it, but like people have told me there's a scene that I don't think I can watch. I've never even seen it. He either. like murders a cat. Yeah, what this the dude fuck? murders a cat, and the internet comes after him. <gasps> I've never like the internet that. sleuths come after him. Oh, I've never. They watch dox that. him and ruin his fucking life. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. They can't. But let's uh, let's get into the Keddie Camp murders. Yeah. So Keddie is a tiny settlement in Plumas County on the outskirts of Quincy, California. Keddie had been a bustling resort town since its revival in 1978. At the center of its hub was Keddie Resort, a collection of 33 rustic cabins which could be rented out long term for around $170 per month. What the fuck, man? Yeah. yeah what uh, the well, hell right? is that? Right? 
I our, would definitely go live in a murder a camp house. Our rent here's a thousand. Yeah. It must have been nice living back in the eighties, dude. Right? 170. Well, they they weren't making as much. They're making like $4 an hour and like gas was like 50. Wait, now hold on. I'm going back too far. Yeah. <laughs> too far, Christian. I know. But for real, I would be totally down to pay 170. I don't give a That'd shit. That'd be lovely. Money. Give me give me a cabin. In, well, no, don't give me a cabin in the woods. Yeah, no. you don't. You're not gonna want it after this uh-uh. episode. Uh-uh. She's I like, don't I don't know. care about the the low rent. <laughs> Somebody died here. There's a whole like TV series now about people refurbishing houses that people have been murdered in. Oh, it's it's a booming business. Murder houses. It's a yeah. thing. I don't want to watch it, but I can't find it. Are they renovating them to live in? Yeah. Or are they making them into, like, murder bed and breakfasts? Ooh. Well. We'll talk about that later. Good job fucking up that business idea. (laughs) You just threw that out in the internet. Out into the ether. Waiting for somebody on Airbnb to have, like, some kind of murder house. Murder. Slasher film. Yeah. House. Complete with your own serial killer. <laughs> Death Museum. <laughs> <laughs> so the stream was perfect for fishing, and the pine studded trails were a favorite amongst hikers. The Sharp family had just moved into cabin 28 the year before. Susan had just divorced her husband and brought her children from Connecticut to Ketty. The six of them, 36 year old Sue, her 15 year old son John, 14-year-old daughter, Sheila, 12-year-old daughter, Tina, 10-year-old Rick, and 5-year-old Greg were friendly with their nearby neighbors at the Ketty Resort. Jesus, this woman doesn't stop. Literally. She didn't stop. She just no. popping those kids well, out. Supposedly, her husband. she left her husband because he was uh, pretty abusive. Yeah. Especially to the daughters. Really? So, yeah, he was like real fucking rough on the family. Mm-hmm. The night before the murders, Sheila had slept over at a friend's house down the street. So, like, down the street's kind of, like, next door. Yeah, it's... They're pretty far apart. These, If you look at pictures of the cabins, and I'll be posting them on our Instagram, they're pretty much on top of each other, which makes this even weirder. So, they're not, like, an actual, like, cabin. It's almost like a commune. Oh, my God. Is that what it used to be when before they refurbished it? No, it's mm-hmm. it was like that when this happened. Oh, I got you. No, I'm saying like but because it said it was refurbished in like 1978. Yeah, mm-hmm. this happened in 81. Oh, I got you. Mm-hmm. No worries. So uh, she slept over at a friend's house down the street, and John and his 17-year-old friend Dana had hitchhiked to a nearby town of Quincy for a party and returned sometime later that evening. Tina had briefly joined her sister at the neighbor's before returning home to her mother, two younger brothers, and one of the neighbor boys, Justin Smart. Upon opening the door, Sheila was met by a grisly scene. At some point during the night, someone had entered cabin 28 and ruthlessly murdered Sheila's mother, Glenna Sue Sharp, her 15-year-old brother, John Sharp, her brother's 17-year-old friend, Dana Wingate, uh, Sheila ran screaming back to the neighboring cabin where she had just spent the night. A member of the Seabolt family in cabin 27 ran to the lodge at Ketty Resort and co-owner Jan Albin placed a call to the police. 
alerting them to the murders. As soon as they were on their way to the crime scene, Sheila remembered that her two younger brothers, 10-year-old Greg Sharp and 5-year-old Rick Sharp, were still inside the cabin, along with their friend, 12-year-old Justin Smart. Miraculously, all three boys were all unharmed. The Seabolt family and Sheila helped the boys climb out of the bedroom window. Seemingly, they had slept through the entire massacre. That's that's pretty intense that they like snuck the kids out the window so they wouldn't have to see all that. I mean, I would have. Yeah, that's... Oof. At five years old... I mean, mean, granted, you probably don't. I mean, well, no, my three-year-old would know what that is. I'm pretty sure they saw it. You think so? I'm willing to bet money that those memories are repressed hard. Deputy Hank Clement was the first officer on the scene. All three of the victims had been bound with electrical wire and medical tape before they were systematically bludgeoned to death with a claw hammer. Yeah. It's, 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 It's gory out here. Yeah, I mean, it was it was violent. Mm-hmm. And who needs to paint? I mean, just blood spraying all over the walls. It, it, it was like Jackson Pollock <laughs> just went to town in there. Sam, do you like abstract part? Oh my yeah. god! Not anymore, Christian. <laughs> we ruined abstract art. <laughs> Sling paint at the wall. Yes. Fifteen-year-old John was. The closest to the front door, he was face up, his hands were covered in blood, and he was bound with medical tape, and his throat had been slit. His friend Dana was on the floor beside him on his stomach. His head was badly damaged, as though bashed in with a blunt object. Claw hammer. Yeah, and lay partially on a pillow. Oh, that's nice. They They put him on a pillow. Put his head on a pillow. Like, is an act of kindness. On my oh, my God. <laughs> the I'm fact sorry, that, like, I'm going to hell for that. they bludgeoned them to death after slitting their throats because they weren't dying fast enough. So all of their throats were slit? Oh, it, or just it's going to get, it, no, it's going to get rough. Yeah, it, just, just wait. Hands and feet inside the vehicle at all times. Yeah. <laughs> he, so Dana's manually strangled. His ankles were tied with electrical wire, which was also around John's ankles, so that the two were connected. Oof. Sue Sharp had been covered partially with a blanket, though that had been done that had done little to hide her gruesome injuries. On her side, the mother of five was naked from the waist down, tightly gagged with a bandana and her own underwear secured with medical tape. Now I couldn't find any information on if she'd been, like, raped or not. I don't think so. I doubt it was. I think this was just uh Like, drill at home is like a. Act it, of- it was more like an act of insult. Okay. To add insult to the death, mm-hmm. I believe. She had defensive wounds on her arms indicating that she had put up a fight. She had an imprint of the butt of an 880 pellet gun on the side of her head, like her son... Her throat had also been cut. So uh-huh. somebody really hated the family. Yeah, they had it out for these people. Yeah. Um, I believe it was a Daisy pellet gun. So I don't know what that is. It's a brand. Oh. It's a brand of pellet gun. What's such a, a nice, Daisy on it? Yeah, what's such a nice name? Well, at least it wasn't a Red Rider. 
<laughs> Put your eye out with that thing. <laughs> well. <laughs> or, or use it as a blunt object. Yeah, right. Just rifle butt somebody. <laughs> Discarded in the living room nearby the bodies was a knife, which had been used during the attack. Chillingly, it had been used with the force that the blade had been bent. That takes so much fucking just That's just rage. Right. That's just blind rage. Yeah. I mean, White I've, hot. Some might say it's something you'd find in a crime of passion. I was literally just thinking that. Um, I had like read that like Sue's throat had been sl- like slashed so deep that it like nicked the bone mm-hmm. in the back of her throat. Mm-hmm. The blood at the scene wasn't confined to just the floor or the victims. Blood was additionally discovered on the wallpaper in one of the bedrooms, on the living room ceiling, and splattered all across the furniture. Told you. So it really was like somebody went abstract art style. Yes. Just bing. Nobody was painting by numbers here. No, no, they were not painting inside the lines. No. The bottoms of Sue's bare feet and the soles of one of the boy's shoes was also covered in blood, which indicated that they were mobile at some point during the attack and had stepped in the blood. There had even been blood discovered on both of the bedroom doors and outside on the handrails of the back steps. So that sounds like when he slashed their throats, it got on him? Yeah. I mean, there's going to be splash, splashback. Oh, there was so much blood that there's no way they got rid of it all off their clothes. No, they would literally have to like go in naked if they yeah. didn't want to leave anything. Jesus Christ, could you imagine somebody oh breaking <laughs> in your house, like going to slit your no. throat and tying naked, you up naked? Man. He's like bending over his fucking junk. Is or I'm, I'm using it as a man thinking it's a man only because it's a crime of oh. passion. But he's just dangling, just hanging there right next he's to your dangling. Yeah, next to your face. Why he's tying up your feet. Just teabagging you. Well, the fact that, like, it shows that they struggled. Mm-hmm. So, like, they they were moving around. So, there there was definitely a tussle, which makes me think that more than one person did this. Mm-hmm. I, w- I would definitely. definitely say more than one person did this. Like, one person was actually doing the killing, and then the other person was, like, like the, chasing these people. Like, the, yeah. No, I would say possibly, like, I'm sure everybody had their fair share at doing some foul shit. The home did not indicate forced entry, though detectives did recover an unidentified fingerprint from a handrail on the back stairs. The cabin's telephone had been left off the hook, and all of the lights had been shut off as well as the drapes closed. Oh, how nice. How nice. So, were they doing this by flashlight? Or? Oh right? Like, Do you remember playing that game when you were a kid? Like, flash, flash tag? Yes, thank you. Get the fuck out of my head. Like, <laughs> Never. Murder tag. Murder tag. No. No, I don't want to be it. I don't want to be it. I don't want it. That that doesn't sound fun. What, murder tag? No. I definitely wouldn't want to go last. TM. (laughs) Oh, yeah, right. Jesus Christ. (laughs) It was soon discovered that Sheila's younger sister, 12-year-old Tina Sharp, was missing from the cabin. Tina had wanted to stay overnight at the Seabolt cabin with Sheila but Sue hadn't allowed her. Members of the Plumas County search and rescue team scoured the Ketty area for the missing child, but to no avail. An all-points bulletin was put out to Lassen, Butte, and Sierra counties, and Reno, 
asking to keep an eye out for Tina. She was described as having long blonde hair and of slight build. She was wearing blue jeans and a blue shirt when she was last seen the night before. The bulletin also asked the same areas to check with local hospitals to see if anybody had come in during the last 48 hours with knife injuries. So up to this point, we have a triple homicide with a missing person. Child. I mean, that's it's pretty fucked. Mm-hmm. And like we said, these cabins are on top of each other. How would you not hear like screams? I'd be definitely making a whole lot of noise. Even muffled screams. Yeah. Because you know, if they had gagged Sue, I would probably say, I want to say she was probably the last one murdered. But maybe not. Maybe she was the first one killed. But I'm not 100% sure. Well, they weren't like all tandem killed at the same time. Oh, God, no. So somebody had an opportunity to like scream or yeah. make noise or something like that. I just something. Find it, find it very hard. Well, that... Sue had blood on the bottom of her feet. They all did. Yeah. Oh, they all did. So they're just all yeah. sneaking around like with blood. And, like so as each person just falls like somebody flies. got fucking murked first. Yeah. Um. Poss. I want to say the boys probably got killed first. She had to watch. Yeah. That, that sounds more realistic of her having to watch if you want to talk about, like... Horrific. Were, yeah, yeah, because like they want to make it as painful for her as possible. Clearly, she was the intended target. Clearly. So, to make it as painful for her to watch as possible, I'm sure they killed the friend first, then the son. Because I'm sure the, the two boys probably walked in during the whole thing. Yeah. The friend gets hit in the head with the claw hammer. Mm-hmm. bludgeoned to death. They beat him straight up to death. Tied the, her son to the friend's corpse, beat him to death and slit his throat and then make her watch while she's right. muffled with her own underwear and blue bandana. bandana. Yeah. That, that's my theory. They had speculated that with such a violent attack, the killer or killers must have harmed themselves in the process. The gruesome murders sent shockwaves throughout the quaint community. Investigators tried to piece together the last known movements of the victims. Witnesses said that they saw John and Dana trying to thumb a ride near the corner of Crescent Street and Lawrence Street in Quincy, near the Gold Pan Motel. This was at the same time between 9 p.m. and 10 p.m. on the night of the murders. Their whereabouts afterwards is unknown. At some point over the next 10 hours, however, the teenage boys ended up back at Ketty Resort where they were murdered. Mm. Allegedly, a lot of potential evidence was collected at the scene, but because this was pre-DNA testing, very little helpful information was found at this time. I feel like that's why most serial killers got away with such a high body count. In the 70s and 80s. Because mm-hmm. there was no DNA testing. There was no DNA testing. I think they could do like, oh, well, this person had type A blood. Yeah, I, I think they could see blood types and hair do. similarities. Because that's mm-hmm. what got uh, Gene Leroux heart off. Mm-hmm. Was that they're like, well, I mean, yeah, similar hair, but that's not enough damning evidence. And hair is like useless now. 
Mm-hmm. That used to be like the evidence back in the day. Unless you had like a root yeah. attached to it. Early on in the investigation, robbery was ruled out as a motivation because nothing was taken from the cabin. Investigators had surmised that the murders had been somewhat planned and had been perpetrated by two or more assailants, one of which had brought along a claw hammer and then used an additional hammer and two knives found inside the cabin. What perplexed investigators most was that it had been a violent and frenzied attack, yet no one heard anything. Not Greg, Rick, Justin, the neighbors who lived just 10 feet away. That's the part that's shocking to me that nobody yeah. heard anything. And somebody... Where the had... cabins... I know the sea bolts were next door. Yeah. But what well, about the other one? Well, I heard um, on a show, I can't remember. It was just like looking up stuff online about it. But a show was talking about how a woman said she heard muffled screams, but she didn't think anything of it. My eyes widened because you can't hear that. Yeah, that's what she said, she, like in an interview with this. Oh, I thought nothing of it. Yeah, muffled you know, screams. It's fine. I didn't think anything. So, but that she didn't come forward with that shit till way later. I wouldn't either. I'd be and embarrassed. Honest, honestly, she probably making that shit up. Why would? That's even worse. Oh, yeah, I heard muffled screams of people dying, but I didn't think anything of it. Who knows? While it was initially reported that Justin had slept through the entire ordeal, he later gave conflicting stories to investigators about that night. While, first of all, he said he witnessed nothing, he later claimed that he witnessed the murders from the bedroom door. Later, however, Justin changed his story once again and relayed that he had just dreamt the murder. Under hypnosis, Justin recalled his dream. He described two men in the home. One had a mustache and long hair, while the other had shorter hair and was clean-shaven. Justin recalled that one of the men had a pocket knife in his right hand, which he used to cut Sue in the chest. In his dream, the same man had a hammer in the other hand. In another hypnosis session, Justin described Tina waking up and walking into the living room to see what was going on. According to Justin, a man then snatched Tina up in his arms and carried her through the kitchen and out to the back steps. Moments later, the man returned on his own. A psychologist evaluated Justin's description of the dream and came to the conclusion that Justin had witnessed the murders and then, as a defense mechanism, he converted what he'd actually seen into a dream. Like I said, those boys definitely saw everything. 100%. Or one of them was, like, looking out, and then the other two were, like, so afraid to look. Mm-hmm. Well, Tina went out there. Well, she probably was in a different room. Yeah, maybe. And I'm sure she heard the commotion and and was like, "What the fuck is it?" And then Justin was probably like, "I'm not going out there to that shit. I mean, it is what it. I mean, there's nothing. I'm gonna die too." So, but she was like, probably just like out of it, woke up and was like, "What's going on?" And walked out there and what the fuck is going on? Right. For the first few weeks of the investigation, the Plumas County Sheriff's Department had eight investigators working on the case around the clock. They implemented a secret witness program and tried to gain leads. 
They subsequently released sketches of two men who were seen in Quincy the week before the murders. They're still not necessarily suspects, but they were around the area and vanished shortly before the crimes. They were seen by more than one witness, said Plumas County Sheriff Doug Thomas. The two men were never identified, and eventually the tips dwindled into a trickle before diminishing almost completely. By the time a year had elapsed, we would react and investigate leads as they came in, said Plumas County Sheriff Sergeant Steve Wright. There was so much speculation over the years that the killer or killers had wanted to get to Tina for sexual purposes. Some even clung to the hope that Tina was alive somewhere and being held hostage. Then in April of 1984, a bottle hunter stumbled across human remains near Feather Falls, northwest of Oroville, around 50 miles away from Ketty. The remains were sent to a laboratory for analysis and identification. Using dental records, the remains were identified as Tina. According to the medical examiner, Tina had died sometime after November 1st, 1981, six months after the Ketty murders. So she was probably kept alive and raped repeatedly. Maybe. Honestly, uh, I'm going to go with that route because why not? You know, I mean, she didn't end up dead because they were treating her right. Yeah. Well, eventually she, they, they ran out of use for her. six months is a long run mm-hmm. to keep somebody usually like in instances like that when somebody's like kidnapped, it's usually not that long. Mm hmm. Before they lose interest and they're just like... Well, Elizabeth Smart was... Yeah, you have a few people that I mean, that short. Like, smart? Yeah, smart. smart. You had it right. She was, like, what, 14 months or something like that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's crazy. Side note. Actually, I went to Utah right after she went missing. Really? To visit family. And my mom was, like, freaking the fuck out. Like, everybody in Utah was freaking out. Well, I was about the same age as her. Then there's that dude from Ohio that... Like, basically kidnapped those three women and made them have his babies and shit. Oh, yeah. Michelle and uh, Gina. What was his name? Ariel something? Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember the third girl's name. Michelle, Gina, Amanda? Maybe. I'm not sure. We'll we'll have to cover it. They're in my spreadsheet. Yeah. They're in the list. They're on the list. Due to the advanced decomposition, her cause of death could not be determined, but it's accepted that she was also murdered. I mean, she was found in a field. She didn't die of exposure. No. Since then, theories as to who committed the quadruple murder and why have abounded. There were many potential suspects over the forthcoming months and years, very few of whom were publicly identified. But there were never enough physical evidence for anybody to be charged. What's really wild about this is when you start looking into the investigation, um, the FBI gets involved, but it's not like really their homicide crew. It's the organized crime unit. Hmm. So they send two agents from the organized crime unit. I think it was a mob hit. They think... They think the mob may have been involved. Or somebody that had connections to the mob. Interesting. 
John and Dana walked in on the slayings and became victims themselves. One theory was put forward by investigators early on was that the people who had picked up John and Dana and Quincy were the people responsible for the murders. A potential scenario that was after dropping John and Dana off at the cabin, the killers then forced their way into the cabin or had potentially even been invited in by the teenagers. Another theory was that the driver had nothing to do with the murders. Under that scenario, investigators speculated that John and Dana walked in on the slayings and became victims themselves. Earlier in the evening, before John and Dana had hitchhiked back to the cabin, they had attended a party at the home of a well-known Quincy family. However, there was said to be illicit drug use at the party, so potential witnesses refrained from coming forward. Investigators had also considered that the killers had been at that same party and then followed Dana and John back home. In fact, there had been reports that there was a pair of men at the party that said to be acting very peculiar, but the two men were never identified. That's pretty wild. I mean, the drivers being the killers kind of makes sense. Well, the fact that the investigation had nothing. Literally nothing. They were just grasping at straws. Mm-hmm. So, I think that sounds a little bit more realistic of... I mean, besides, if you just take out the part about the crime unit, like the FBI showing mm-hmm. up, if you just took that out completely and somebody just said that, I would be like, that sounds realistic. Like, two right. unhinged people mm-hmm. just happened to pick them up. Probably thought about murdering them. And then, you know, it dropped them off and said, oh, you know what? I could murder two people. I could or, murder the whole family. Yeah. I could do the whole thing. But that yeah, doesn't but why mean. Not, exactly. Why not kill the three boys? Right. Why not look through the house for more children? Um, Probably at that point they had been. I mean, they're I'm just, too long. No, Yeah. I think it was that. Like maybe they'd been too satiated. And they also now have a person who has seen. So now they got to get a dodge. Now mm-hmm. that now that like has she like you said probably like right when she walked outside out of her room. I mean this uh, this is a quick thing. I and mean, if this she had stayed in her room, she probably would still be alive. Mm-hmm. Isn't that sick to think of? If she they probably after the three people that they murdered because mm-hmm. this all happened within a couple of seconds. This wasn't like a this wasn't like a you know waited out kind of situation. Yeah, this, this wasn't like methodical. No, I don't know. I think they were in there for a while. You think so? I think they were in there for Explain. a while. Explain. Why do you think they were in there for a while? I think it was a crime of passion. So you think that there was like a su- there was a lot of suffering and talking and stuff like that that was involved in it? Yeah, this was this was methodically done to do as much well, then emotional was, damage to Sue as humanly possible. Well, methodically, okay. Well, if it's somebody that was a crime of passion and that they would know that she has other children, why didn't they not search the house? Yeah. I'm putting it I have back a theory on, on that. You do. But we'll get to it later. Oh, okay. Can't just leave me open like that. I put my theory <laughs> in here. Did you? Mm-hmm. There had been rumors early on that the murders were the work of a cult, but that was quickly ruled out early on in the investigation. Then in 1996, Robert Joseph Silveria Jr. was looked at as a potential suspect. He had lived in Plumas County in the mid-1980s 
and was known as a courteous man who decorated envelopes with intricate drawings during his time as a county employee. He was arrested in 1996 and suspected of at least 17 murders. For 15 years, Silveria had drifted throughout the United States on railroads, killing other drifters he came in contact with. Following his arrest, he confessed to 28 murders, including the Keddy murders, although he would only be convicted of two of those murders. It would later be uncovered that Silveria had been in custody at the time for Grand Theft Auto. So he confessed to him to get his body count up. Yeah. What a two out of 28? Pulling a little uh, Henry Lee Lucas. Jesus. But yeah, he he was in jail, so he couldn't have been him. He had an alibi. Oh, I bet he was so mad. He was like, I know, right? He's like, Fuck, they figured it out. <laughs> like they weren't gonna do that anyway. He gets an asterisk, like a athlete that's been caught taking steroids <laughs> next to his oh, like no. record. He it's was like, like conv- uh, convicted at twenty eight, but two of them we got to put an asterisk next to. Among the first suspects to emerge in the case were Martin Ray Smart and John Babade. Over the years, Smart and Babade have remained lead suspects. In fact, Justin had been the stepson of Smart and the family lived in the cabin next to Sue. At the time of the murders, Keddie had a drug problem and one of the key players was allegedly Smart. On the night of the murders, Smart and Babade showed up at the local Keddie bar wearing three-piece suits and sunglasses, almost as if they were trying to draw attention to themselves. Other patrons of the bar recollected that they were, quote, acting weird. Both men had criminal records, and Babade had ties to organized crime in Chicago. Before her murder, Sue was said to be counseling Smart's wife, Marilyn, about leaving her husband, because he was allegedly abusive and was having affairs behind her back. At the same time, however, there were rumors that Sue and Smart had been having an affair. Yep. This is the theory. (laughs) Quote, I've paid the price for your love, and now I've bought it with four people's lives. Yeah, that was sent to his ex-wife, the one who left him, Mm -hmm. in a letter. That's terrifying. There had been speculation among investigators that Smart had learned that Sue and Marilyn had been speaking. Smart was an extremely jealous and possessive man, and according to some investigators, so was Marilyn. Some of the investigators had speculated that it wasn't just Smart and Babade who were involved in the slayings, but instead a number of other local people. Based on this, Many investigators have reached the conclusion that the intended victim that night was Sue and that the others were murdered simply because they were witnesses. Shortly after the murders, Smart was questioned about the murders and had informed investigators that a hammer of his had recently gone missing. Convenient. I know. I think he left it at a crime scene. I think he did too. (laughs) Shortly thereafter... Smart and Babade both left Plumas County for Klamath Falls, Oregon. In 2016, it was revealed that an anonymous counselor 
at the Veterans Administration in Reno came forward with information that implicated Smart in the Ketty murders. According to the counselor, Smart had confessed to the brutal murders while a patient just several weeks after the murders occurred. He claimed that he wanted to clear his conscience and admitting to killing Sue and Tina, who by this point still remained missing. Quote, I killed the woman and the daughter, but I didn't have anything to do with the boys, he allegedly said. The counselor pressed further and asked why Tina didn't run away. Smart replied that he had, quote, incapacitated her and later had to kill her because she was a witness. What's crazy is it took this person till 2016 to come forward with this information. From 1981. Well, not maybe not 81, but, you know. It was before Tina was found. Mm-hmm. And this, and this person came forward with this. And it was just never talked about. Yeah, like, okay, that's cool. Just sit on that for, like, 30 years. That's fine. As for a motivation, the counselor claimed that Smart believed that Sue was responsible for Marilyn wanting a divorce. The Department of Justice would dismiss the allegations as, quote, hearsay. Both Smart and Babade passed lie detectors during the original investigation. Neither was ever arrested, and both have since died. So, clearly, I think these two did it. Um, but they'll never be brought to justice, and no, they lived a full and happy life. Was it happy? Yeah, I know, right? But, but was it? Mm, they li- They got to live. This is very true. Thank you for stealing that. Despite an exhaustive investigation, the Ketty murders still remain unsolved today. Quote, It's unusual for someone to get away with killing four people, said Ron DeCrona, the patrol commander for the sheriff's department. Quote, It bothers me. It is still very creepy to me. I still feel uneasy when I drive through there when I go on patrol. The Ketty murders are regarded as Plumas County's greatest mystery. The massacre marked the downfall for the Northern Sierra Mountain Resort. With the killer never being identified, paranoid tourists began staying away from Ketty in droves. Today, Ketty is a little more than a derelict ghost town. The only visitors are those with a morbid fascination. Hello. Yeah, road trip. <laughs> road trip! Seeking out the Cabin 28, which was demolished in 2004. While the murders have remained unsolved for almost four decades, the investigators still hold on to hope that one day justice can be served. Quote, I think it will be solved. It's just that the killers are still lucky after all these years, said Deputy Lieutenant John Stoy. And the investigation's still going on to this day. Like, the... They found one of the hammers in a dried lake bed where Tina was killed what? a few years Damn. ago. Yeah. It's, it was like a rusted up hammer, but they found it. So so when mm-mm. when they found Tina's decomposed body, they couldn't tell like what her cause of death was? Oh, no. She she had her skull bashed in. Oh, it said... It said oh, never mind. I, I mean, they just... It couldn't... her The cause of death just couldn't be officially... 
yeah. determined. Like, yeah. because you don't know if, like, an animal got a hold of her or whatever. Right. But there yeah. was, like, clearly. Somebody has an affiliation with hammers. Uh, yes, it does. Hammer time. Jesus <laughs> Christ. Hammer time. I'm I done it. Can somebody that's a murderer please say that before they kill somebody? I just need that to happen. And Please then come tell you afterwards? Yes. <laughs> I promise I won't tell on you. I can hear you now. You going to do this for me? Or do I have to make a phone call? Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. I would totally do that. So that's what happens when you live at a resort town in the woods. Just don't go in the woods. You get murdered. Just Stay don't away go from in the, the woods. woods anymore. Stay away from the woods and don't try to break up somebody's marriage because you're having. I an mean, affair. that's just a that's just a, a given right there. Right. I mean, if you're trying to break up somebody's marriage, then you probably deserve to have a hammer put in your head. Oh damn it! Now I sound like yeah, an you, asshole. You incriminated yourself. Oh whatever. Someone turns up bludgeoned. Yep. I would never bludgeon anybody. That that's is too, too messy. That is too much fucking work. I have the perfect way to kill somebody, but I'm not saying it on the air. <laughs> can we share afterwards? Yes, we can. All right. Let's go ahead and drop these socials, guys. Kristen. Before anybody goes to jail. <laughs> oh, me? Yep. <laughs> Number one, thank you guys so much for the ones that subscribe and follow and support and listen to us rant about horrible things on a weekly basis. We know we're sick. We know you're sick. Uh, make it. sure you guys are following us on the socials, the Facebook, the Instagram, um, downloading the episodes. You can go to actually onto our Facebook and or Instagram and go through the link tree. We're on mm-hmm. everything. So. Everywhere. Except YouTube. For now. For now. We're working on it. Yeah. Um, Got some fun things in store. We do. We have a, we're going to do a serial killer next week. We haven't done one this summer. I know. I've been and kind it's of, the summer of slaughter. I, I know. Like, I felt like you guys were been on this massacre kick. I know it's a summer of slaughter. Don't get on. Don't at me with that shit. <laughs> don't but at I me. want gruesome murders. I know, but I think that. But, what do you think a serial killer is? Gruesome murders. Oh, this this guy's. Yeah. Look underneath serial killer. He's real gruesome. fucking Should, interesting. I'm interested. I'm All intrigued. Right. Well, if you want to find out who we're going to talk about next week, join us. Join us and stay creepy, guys. Bye. Bye. Among the first suspects to emerge in the case were Martin Ray Smart and John Bod. Why don't you say that? Bobedi? Boo. Boobity? I don't know. Jeff will fucking figure it out. <laughs> Insert text to speech. Hold on. <laughs> Spell it. B O U. B-E-D-E. Participation trophy. Shut up. <laughs> if anybody makes a t-shirt for me, that's the one I want. Boobade. Boobade? Boobade. Okay. All right, we can restart that. Among the first suspects to emerge in the case were Martin Ray Smart and John Boobaday. I just said it wrong again. Clap it. Boobaday. Hold on. You are not going to scream clap it at me. I'm not some fucking silver-tongued fucking monkey with tambourines over here. Hold on. One more time. Idiot. Babade. Babade. Okay. Babade. What a lame last name. Don't you fucking tell me when to fucking clap. It's rated as an easy last name to pronounce. Babade. Babade.